0: Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Canadian Story. I'm pleased to have uh, Jason Hewlett here. Jason, why don't you uh, share a little bit about yourself and what makes you tick and who you are with our listeners?
1: Well, uh, gee, best way to explain myself, I guess you could say I'm kind of a a podcaster, filmmaker, broadcaster, journalist, uh, who's been hosting a podcast that was also a primetime radio show called From the Basement for 11 years. And it's like an entertainment program, you know, movie reviews, B-movies, that kind of thing with my my, uh, co-host Sean Knippleberg. I also, I'm a writer uh, who wrote a book called I Want to Believe, One Man's Journey into the Paranormal. Uh, chronicling uh, Peter Wren. He's been a paranormal investigator for 27 years, 28 years now, and he's done it all over the world. Uh, he's someone I work alongside with because we formed the Canadian Paranormal Foundation. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, technically a ghost hunter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <A> really? <laughs> I love it. Who loves movies? you know? So right, that's kind of how the two right. things came together. And I was a, I was actually a journa- journalist, like a mainstream journalist, crime reporter for 10 years here in Kamloops at the Kamloops Daily News until it closed in 2014. So that's where the bulk of my experience comes from journalism film and ghosts so it's I, I love
0: a- that I I also have another podcast called our really true fiction where we talk about our favorite uh, movies and books and like kind of the existential truths you can find in them so I, I'm sure we have some uh, camaraderie on our enjoyment of, of film and story and narrative in general.
1: Nice. Yeah, I love stories. I mean, I think that's the basic thing that drove me. Like, like I, you know, I saw Star Wars when I at a drive-in when I was five. So I think it was like nineteen seventy-seven or seventy-eight. And George Lucas just warped my brain.
0: Right. So I got right. so
1: infatuated <laughs> just with what he did. I've I had a huge interest in film, but stories and stories is what led me to want to be like a journalist. I cared more about the stories than you know the crime and all that, which I don't yeah, know is right yeah. or wrong. But and then even with like you know the ghost hunting and stuff, there, a lot of the places we go to, there's a history there. You know, and I like to dig into that history and find out what it is and how it's, you know, allegedly impacting people in the modern in the modern times. So, story, love of stories and narrative is a big part of what I do.
0: Uh, and, and well, speaking of that, this is the Canadian story, so we have to ask you before we get into uh, this episode, which I'm really excited about. What do you love about Canada?
1: You know, it's I've never I have I shouldn't say never. I lived in Australia for a year, which is my only real way to kind of compare a country for any length of time. I've traveled a lot. But I think what I like about Canada, especially out here you know, in British Columbia, is it's until COVID hit, we were all pretty relaxed. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We sort of took <laughs> yeah. things in stride, um, not too, don't stress about too much. And I think, so there's that aspect of it. So the people are very much generally like the, the stereotypical, polite, pretty chill folks. I hope that returns now that things are getting back to normal. But I love the scenery here. I mean, I've seen a lot of beautiful scenery, like you know, in the UK and Australia and Hawaii and such. But you just you can't beat Canada for its lakes and its mountains and its its forests and just the amount of space we have. We've got a huge landmass and a small population, and I like that.
0: You yeah, know, get yeah. There's a, an openness to everything, right?
1: Yeah. Which has made the last fifteen months pretty easy because I can just take off in the woods and go hide somewhere when I had enough of you know staying <laughs> right. in my room. So it works out all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that is that's been one of the benefits I think for all of us is just the ability to escape to the the countryside. I think if we didn't have that, it'd be pretty devastating. So I, I really so. want to go into this. Uh, you know, paranormal activity. Your your quest to like research this be a journalist about it, kind of try to understand it. Walk us through this journey. How did it start? Where is it at? What have you learned?
1: Well, if you talk to anyone that does this with any sort of seriousness, it always stems from something that happened to them when they were a kid. Like I've talked to a lot of people that have done this job, 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 quote unquote. (laughs) um, (laughs) And they all had experiences as a child. And I kind of had two that I usually refer back to. One when I was like five or six which, I mean, I'm 49, so it was a long, long, long time ago, but it still sticks in my mind. Uh, my mom and I were drove to pick up a friend of mine who was going to come over and sleep over. And I was waiting in the car for whatever reason, and my mom went to pick him up. And I know she was at the door talking to my friend's mom. I'm hanging out in the backseat of this hatchback and looking at the road, and there was no one on the street anywhere. And suddenly this face appeared in the back window, like someone was on the other side of the screen. And it, one second it wasn't there, then it was there and then it was gone. It might have lingered longer, but it freaked me out so much, I hit the floor. I just couldn't look at it. And I describe it as this weird mongoloidish looking Jason Voorhees-esque face without the hockey mask kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, and it just freaked me out. And I kind of hit the floor, and I just waited down there, and I, until I heard footsteps approach, and I went up, and it was my buddy, and I kind of said to him, did you just like pop up at the back window and try to scare me? I can't remember the exact words, but I was basically it, and he's like, no. I'm like, Do you, was there anyone around? He says, no, I haven't seen anybody on the street. My mom came up, and I asked her, and, She's a teacher, so she just missed it as being, you know, just me in my imagination, kind right, of going right. wild. But it stuck with me and it still sticks with me. And it kind of got me wondering like, what was that? And if it was something, wh- what caused it? Where did it come from? So I kind of that started sort of the train rolling. And if you know a show would come on TV, like you know, in search of or something, I'd want to watch it to, you know, anything with ghost-related, I would, even though it'd scare the crap out of me. Um, and then when I was about 13, 14. Uh, my parents had a cabin on a lake that's about an hour from town here. I live in Kamloops, British Columbia and I go out there a lot and I quite often bring a friend along with me cause we'd go for like weekends or weeks, you know, especially in the summer and we were free range kids. So my parents would just like be home for like, you know, lunch, dinner, bedtime. So we would just go wander around all day and come back. And there's always this one route into the woods from the cabin that we would take and we'd come down for supper ate, cleaned up, and decided we wanted to go back out one last time before it got dark. So we're taking this route back up, and underneath this tree that we had passed an hour, hour and a half earlier, which the ground was around, it was completely covered with pine needles. It was a pine tree. All the pine needles have now been cleared away. There's this little fire pit. Like, not a big, big human-sized one, but a little one. And there's this lean-to belt, and inside the lean-to is this bone. And that just stopped us dead in our tracks. And it looked, like, too what? small to be, like, no one could live in it or use it. Uh, but it was like a doll size, but bigger. And, and who would play with the doll and build a lean to lean-to and put a bone in it, you know, and all this and do this right. within an hour? Right. It made no sense to us. So we stopped and we kind of looked at it. We're trying to make sense out of it. And it's starting to get dark and we're kind of getting creeped out. And it's like, let's just go back to the cabin. So we went back to the cabin and we talked about it like all night. We just couldn't figure out what, what this was. So, first light the next day, we got up, we got dressed, we got it, went outside, we ran back up to that tree. All of it was gone and the ground was completely littered with pine needles. Like nothing had been disturbed or moved at (laughs) all. And I wasn't alone. And my buddy Mike, to this day, he and I talk about this because it makes no sense to us at all. And that was kind of game on at that point, needing to know what's happening. We were in Bigfoot country here. and, and, And so was it something to do? I don't know. I have no idea. But that really kicked off like researching stuff, watching every show I could, reading any book I could get a hold of kind of eventually going out and investigating on my own a bit around 2003, and then finally joining up with a team called Vancouver Paranormal Society in 2017, which is how I met Peter. I wrote the book about, and we investigated together for a few years before going off and forming our own group because that, that group runs out of Vancouver. We're in the interior, four-hour right. drive. Hard yeah, to kind it's of, a lot of, I mean? lot of
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So we just formed our own group here in the interior. So, And that's kind of really it. But Those two things have stuck with me. I still can't explain what either of them were, Um, but it's fascinating stuff and it's, I've heard so many stories like that from so many people now just doing this
0: work. So in in your investigation of these things, what, what give us some stories that you've heard and maybe, um, some interesting, unexplainable just experiences that people have had. And then maybe what you've concluded from like this investigation, or I guess it's an ongoing investigation, but like, what are you starting to learn from the data sets that you're building up from these stories that you're hearing?
1: It's the, what's hard and it's why science doesn't take a serious look at it. You can't recreate anything like you, you just, you can't, and you can't go and recreate it really inside a lab. So you're going a lot on people's personal experiences that they have and hearing kind of them talk about it. Like, for example, there, we went into this house in Merritt, made another investigator. This is about three years ago. And the people reached out to us via the site, the web, the Vancouver paranormal website at the time. And basically, what was happening, they were having stuff happening in their home. Like they were saying they'd have blood dropping from the ceiling. You know, and they actually had like a, you know, Kleenex that had cleaned it up and they took a picture and showed it to us. I'm like, all right, well, that's something. Um, And they were were telling about like they'd hear noises. The the daughter that was sleeping downstairs, would she see shadows moving about her room? All that kind of stuff. They had a bit where water would suddenly just start pouring out of, you know, a corner of a room somewhere and it would stream down into the basement. But then there'd be no sign of water damage or anything like that. So we went in me and this other investigator, Kay, you know, we went into that place and they showed us, you know, the Kleenex and so they let us keep it so we could get a sample done. Cause Kay's daughter worked at the hospital so she could do like tests and stuff. And we let the family go. Like we sort of talked to them. They did a walkthrough and sure. We went down to the basement. It's an old seventies style basement. They feel creepy anyways, with, you know, right. the big wood paneling, right. Mm. right. Um, they showed us around and but then they, we said, well, could you leave for a couple hours so that we could kind of investigate here? And going around, it there were lots of books on the occult in the house. They had like DVD sets of ghost hunters and paranormal state and all this stuff. So they were into, they had Ouija boards. They were into this, but we spent a few hours there. We got nothing. Like with the equipment we used, we didn't even pick up. And I'll explain you a bit like EVPs and all that. Mm-hmm. We didn't mm-hmm. see anything strange. We didn't feel anything strange. Nothing bled. Water didn't pour out of anywhere. We got Jack. And it was just kind of, we came to the conclusion that, and we did get the Kleenex tested and it was old enough that you couldn't get a good reading if it was blood or not.
0: Oh, right.
1: Right. So we just kind of, it came to us that it felt like these were people who wanted to have something happen. And so they kind of let their imaginations go with them. And the daughter was going through transition transgender. Right. So she had a lot going on psychologically too. Mm -hmm. And, what we found a lot of the time is I would say 90% of the time, a lot of what you're experiencing, what people think they're experiencing is, is more in their head or a result of a natural occurrence with a home, right? Mm-hmm. Or like something psychological or is it like, you know, alcohol or drug related, you know, and just a desire to have a weird experience, right? People mm-hmm. want to kind of be a part mm-hmm. of that group. So a lot of the times we've begun asking, there's a whole bunch of background checks we do when we hear these stories. Well, you know, what's your mental health history? Do you do drugs or drink? Um, you know, Have you had uh, paranormal experiences before? Is there a history of mental health in the family? All these things just to kind of rule out a bunch before we go in. And then we even check the house. Like Peter, who I investigate with, he's like an engineer. So he knows a lot about houses and how they work. And when they cool, they can cause crack, creaking yes, and you know, pipes yes. and rattling. So a lot of the stories that we're getting are, are easily explained away as something. And it's a very rare amount of cases where you feel like you're really getting anything paranormal. And then when it comes down to something being paranormal there's a whole bunch of different theories as to what that could be. Right. You know, we spend a whole hour just talking about different theories about things. So that's that's kind of one example of kind of what is very common for an investigation that we go
0: on. So if if 90% of these are explainable, I guess it's kind of like searching for that diamond in the rough of something that can't be explained. Yeah. What does it feel like to find something like that? And how do you differentiate between saying this can't be explained by what I know and this doesn't seem explainable.
1: Well, we, I'll give a good example. A place we quite often go to is called Bailey House. And this house has had a lot of activity for a number of years. And it's a whole historic home. And again, in Merritt, Merritt seems to have a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in it, there. Right, right. Um, It was a kind of a frontier home that's now like run by the Heritage Society. So it's a house that is very much maintained in that early, late 1800s, early 1900s vibe. Um, and as you, tourists can go through it, they run an office on an outbuilding there. And there's been activity there quite a bit. I mean, we've, people have been reported seeing and hearing things for, you know, staff, visitors, seeing shadows, hearing voices. Um, when we've been there, we had a bathroom door that's like those pocket doors, so they slide it into the wall. Right. Close yep. on its own into the, door, into the wall hard enough that you had to, it was knocked off the tracks. And we, everyone was upstairs, then you heard this kabang from downstairs, so everyone runs down and takes a look, and the door's wedged into the wall.
0: And no yeah. one else was in the building. No one else was in there. We
1: go in, we lock the doors behind us. Right. And we investigate we were all upstairs. I've had things swear at me when using like a spirit box. You know, you kind of do the questions like you do see on TV, like you run the spirit box and it's an AM FM kind of receiver that goes through multiple channels at once. And the theory is, is that because there's a lot of talk of spirits working within the earth's electromagnetic field, you can pick up on radio waves and right. stuff like that. And so, you ask a question and not just to, something you get a yes or no answer, but you sort of ask questions to get an intelligent response. And if all the radio chatter, cause it's going like stops and you get something that answers that question, you take it with a little more validity than it being, picking up on radio channels or some guy with a CB that wants to mess with you kind of thing right. like that. Right? right. Um, and I'd actually would be asking a question like, you know, come on, like we're here. Could you please tell us your name? And I had something call me an effing prick. Oh, we could stop. Then it did that. So we kind of, thought that was interesting and we got it on our digital recorders and that's happened a few times we got a voice we would ask a name and it was like you know i we heard like something say i am tom and we went back and did research and someone ran the home at one point with the first name thomas oh wow Hmm. so that was interesting we had a, a there's a room that's called the doll room and it's full of those early 1900s porcelain dolls. So it's already kind of creepy in there. Creepy. So it kind of primes yeah, your super brain creepy. to think something could happen. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but we had a little toy hammer come off a shelf. And there's no way that the toy hammer could have come off the shelf. You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you had, we walked around it and stomped and nothing happened. But we were just walked. We kind of circled around, around it and went off. And then the hammer here's like a tink, tink, tink. And it had rolled off the shelf and was in the middle of the floor. So we have stuff like that happen. The most dramatic bit of evidence, closest thing I'd call the evidence that we got is we were in the basement and we'd set up a laser grid. And a laser grid is exactly what you sound like. It's a device that you set up and it shoots these grid lasers across a wall surface or throughout an entire room. You can kind of set it up 360 degrees. We had it projected. We were in on one side of the room. It was projecting outward on a wall. And we when all the lights were on, we're setting it up. There was nothing that could have obstructed this laser. We turn the lights off. And the laser's on the wall, but it looks like the outline of a, sh- a shoulder, a shoulder going up to a head. Wow. So we're like, what's-? Yeah. We're like, what's that? Turn the light on. There's nothing there. We even put our hands in front of it, look around, nothing. <laughs> Switch the light off. The thing's still there.
0: Huh.
1: And we're wow. like, this is real. This is weird. It- we- our cameras are rolling the whole time. Like we're- we've got it on video because we do a web series that ties into it, and it's-, it's up there. And we did about three or four times before that we turned the light off, and then it was gone. It was like something, whatever it was, it moved and completely yeah. unobstructed. Huh? And that's, to us, about as compelling a bit of evidence as you can get. None of it's going to hold up in a court of law, basically. No, no. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. What was it? I, I have no idea. Like, was it, did we touch, was that an g- actual ghost? Like a ghost as people think about it? Was it, is Bailey House a place where because there's that whole theory going around about the multiverse or parallel yeah. dimensions? Yeah, where was that,
0: there's overlap areas or something.
1: Yeah, was it an overlap area? Was it something that you know some people had died and that's all in the Earth's electromagnetic field and we're just happening to tune into that? It was the right circumstance. I don't know, but it was certainly very interesting, and we've had a lot of good luck at Bailey House.
0: Yeah. Wow. So what do you think, um, like, if you had to speculate, or what's what's your theory of these things? Like, what is it that drives you to explore this, apart from those childhood experiences? Like, what are you looking for?
1: I guess, like, you look for answers. Like, you know, I had my father die when I was 19. And so you kind of, and there's been times, you know, in the house where I grew up where it sure felt like he was there and stuff would happen that was kind of unexplainable. Little things, but just unexplainable. So part of me, I think, is is wondering, is there... What does happen? I think a lot of us. No one knows what happens when we die, and I think it scares a lot of people. If you're not religious, you know, and you yeah, don't think you're yeah. going to a heaven, is that it? You know what I mean? Like, is that the end of it, or do, does something carry on? Do we go on to another plane of existence? Is it? Do we pop up in a multiverse somewhere? You know, because people talk about feeling like they've had past lives or reincarnation. Does that explain it? So I think I just I want like a lot of people. I just kind of want to know what happens. Is is death the end, or is it just the beginning of something new? You know, and I'm starting to get to the point where I'm feeling well there's definitely something that goes on afterwards. I don't know which one of these different theories it is. Um but I think there's enough for me to know that I'm, it's, I'm pretty comfortable in the fact that something does happen after. Um, and, and we won't really know for sure till we're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> it's true, we don't know.
2: Do you have any theories as to like it, okay, so in in the movies and, and and stuff like that, people talk all the time about how spirits get stuck. Do you have any anything to say around that like so the the example would be if someone was wrongfully killed, they would be stuck in a place for whatever reason. Do you have any experience with that sort of idea?
1: yeah, I've had it and it's a it's a topic that's pretty hot right now like we we've investigated a, a residential school oh. Um, oh in the lower mainland where and it's all the stories you hear. I can't name it because when you go into a place like that, you have to sign confidentiality, right? But it, sure. it's, it's like what we we're hearing, you know, here in Kamloops where the 215 bodies were found, and then I think it was Saskatchewan just the other day, more than 700 are located. This this one, there were bodies found, and they just kind of moved them and built another wing onto the residential school. No one seemed to care. And there's a lot of activity in this school, and there is the team has gone back enough over the years where they've started to have the same thing happen in similar parts of the building. And a a big theory on that is like stone tape theory. And it's basically like something has happened. That's been bad enough where that energy has just been stuck there and be it under the right environmental conditions or the right time of day or night that you're there, it repeats like there's one good example is there's a fire escape where you'll hear footsteps going down the fire escape. And Mm -hmm. it's happened every time the team's gone, it's usually about the same time of night you know, hmm. it just feels like something got stuck. Right. And, Interesting. And and I think that, so there's two theories. There's the intelligent haunting theory where you can interact with whatever's happening. That's the one that opens the doors and you can, you know, ask questions, and you'll get a response or it'll throw something at you, you know, or something like right. that. Right, And then there's the residual haunting where it's just the same thing repeating over and over and over again. Um, why those happen? I mean, maybe it is because something so traumatic's happened that, that just that energy can't go anywhere. Um, I know a lot of religious people talk about um, like, sure, we go to heaven or or to hell, but there's kind of a transition period where you're in purgatory and every spirit sits in purgatory until judged. That's another, if you're religious, that's probably where that comes in, which explains why there's a lot of ghosts around, I guess, right, <laughs> if you, right, if you right. buy into that, <laughs> right? So that's kind of the closest I've, I've come to something like that, where it's been a repeatable thing happening. And it just feels like it's in a place where we know a lot of tragedies happened and trauma and that, that maybe that could tie Certain spirits or energies to that location.
0: So I'm sure that you encounter people who think what you're doing is like doesn't make any sense, and you probably get attacked and you know called <laughs> a, a, you know, conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. How do you deal with you know these experiences that you've had where you've seen these things? and You're like, look, I, I know this is as real as I can perceive it to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're obviously a very rational, articulate person, and yet without talking to you or knowing anything about you, I'm sure you just get condemned as being crazy. How do, you, how do you deal with that? And also, why do you think people are so opposed to the idea of the paranormal?
1: Well, I know when I was a, a legitimate journalist, I couldn't talk about it at all. Right. like you would have no credibility. never mind that I think if you know journalism the whole bit is you want to find the truth before passing any judgment so why wouldn't you look at it with any kind of seriousness just to try to get that answer that's kind of where I'd always come around to it when I would talk about it with other journalists. Um, it's interesting because it's less of a taboo subject now it feels like than even say 10 years ago I mean there's shows every TV network like the travel channel isn't about travel it's about ghost hunting all over right, the world right, right like these shows right. are super popular it's very much in pop culture horror movies are big. Yeah. The conjuring movies, I think, have pushed this whole subject matter right into the mainstream. We've got the UFO report you know allegedly coming down any moment. Now. Yeah, it's looming. <laughs> looming, right? <laughs> it's like, come on. It's I, I think for we've us. heard all we're gonna hear about that right. in all the stories in the last month or so. So I think like now it it's a lot of people I talk to actually think it's kind of cool because it's right. hip, right? Like it's yeah. hip now.
0: Right. Um
1: so I I don't get too much flack, but there's definitely a time where I just didn't, and then people would love, think I'm nuts. You know, my mom thought I was crazy for even caring. You know, so I just I just kind of keep pretty quiet about it for the most part. But I noticed in the last few years, even at jobs I've had, people are like, oh, "That's kind of neat." You know what I mean? And then and also, always around Halloween, some radio show wants to have you on to talk about right, <laughs> classic, you know right, in, right? Like, classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I think the paranormal has just become more accepted. Now, And I think, because I think people want, especially after a year you know, and a half like this, people I think are just thinking there's got to be more to life than get up, go to a job you maybe don't really like, to make money, to buy crap you don't need. You know, like the whole Fight Club speech yeah. that Brad yeah. Pitt gives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think people are starting to really think that way now. And there's got to be more to it. And I think there needs to be, people are starting to realize that there's a consequence to just living a selfish, self-indulgent life. And I think that's also why those that don't believe it don't want to think about it.
0: Yeah, they don't want the consequences.
1: They just want to go on living their life and eating their cheeseburgers and buying their TVs. That you know, and they just don't want to think about it. And I think there's a fear there that they probably know that that that, that there's a consequence. Anyways, they just don't want to acknowledge it. At first, they don't want to even acknowledge that they're going to die.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, Most oh, people I don't even want couldn't to. Couldn't agree about. more. That I mean, I, I'm a lot of the thinking I'm doing right now in my private time is about why have we become so terrified of death? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that we've always been dealing with it, but it's like now it's like even the fractional chance that we die has to be avoided, right? Like (laughs) nobody uh, going to COVID, right? It's like we we all have to like flee this very small percentage chance that we're going to die because we haven't even been able to deal with death as an idea and uh, as a society anymore.
1: When We bury it like I remember for lack of a better <laughs> word, but I remember growing up, we had funerals like they were actually called funerals, yeah, wakes, and now it's a celebration of life, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even on yeah, the map, yeah. It, it's sugar coated, it's they sugar coat it, right? And and they know you know, you're not allowed to grieve publicly, which I think it fa- impacts people even more. Whereas, you look at other cultures. Middle Eastern cultures and Asian cultures were there. They'll just all sit in a room and cry together. And I mean, that's got to be pretty cathartic, I think. Like, that's a great way to handle it. You would think so, yeah.
0: You know. Yeah, and acting all stoic and not, you know, not caring about it. Yeah. It is Or even the mentality, everything's good. You know, everyone's saying everything's
1: good. Everyone's having a great day, you know, even though, like, you lost your job. Nope, best day of my life. You know what I mean? Like, you just, (laughs) we don't want to deal with it. I think that's part of why people who don't believe in the paranormal or who make fun of people who believe in it or or take it seriously are the way they are because you're putting death in their face because yeah. the paranormal usually has to deal mm-hmm. with either ghosts or things like ufos or monsters and all that's out of their realm of control and they can't control that if they're real like if the ufo report shows yep there's aliens they've been visiting us for a 100 years for, since the dawn of time and they're around us all the time that's going to freak a lot of people out because their whole perception of reality has just been completely shattered. And that's all anyone's trying to hold on to is their little perception of reality. I a
2: hundred percent agree. It's about holding on to that perception of of reality and not damaging their little precious narrative that they run their life on. That's why they don't want to look at it because they don't want to have to consider that there might be something that they don't understand.
1: Exactly. And you look at the COVID thing, like that's why everyone lost their crap. Right. I mean, it, sure. It's a, it's a dangerous virus, you know, and you can't, you know, it's killed a lot of people and you can't deny any of that. But, you know, you're told you need to wear a mask to protect yourself. Well, that's just no, like, you know what I mean? Like people just can't handle that. Like, yeah. what? I got to change something about how I do it. I got to stand six feet apart. I've got, I can't try, like, never mind. And then there's the other side of it. Never mind that there's a million things that could happen any day that could kill you. You're, you yeah. could be talking yeah. and my body's just like, no, you're done. And I just keel over. Yeah. Mm-hmm right? Like you can die can't at any moment and we don't think about it. Yeah. You can't control that car accident on the way home from work. You know, it's, yeah, I think it's, this was a great example of, you know, that kind of thinking and people having this narrative and not wanting to change it or acknowledge that something could come that's out of the realm of control that could completely alter or even end their life.
0: So, so one of the things we talk about sometimes on this podcast is about uh, accepting death and coming to terms with death and what that looks like. You're someone who's obviously very interested in what happens when we die. But in order to be constantly um, exposing yourself to that thought, you must have some way of dealing with it yourself. What have you come to like, and what, could you, what would you suggest to our li- listeners? Because I think we haven't accepted death as a society. We used to understand and accept it. Now we don't. How have you come to accept it, and how do you think others can come to do that? Or have you?
1: Uh, i I think I've come to accept it up into a certain point. Um, I still, you know, I don't want to be around when it happens. <laughs> you know I get what I mean. Yeah, I'm not right. quite there yet. <laughs> like, where I'm just kind of like, all right, let's do it. Uh, you know, because I got lots of things that I want to do. You know, I've got a nine year old boy, and there's just lots of life that I still want to live and, and do. But. I've kind of just come to the point where I've developed a fatalistic attitude. Like I've had things happen in my life where I probably should have died in a car accident. You know what I mean? Or just making dumb choices in my youth. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but I'm still here. So I just come to the realization that it's going to happen. And when it's my time, there's nothing I can do about it. So you might as well just get on and enjoy life and get the most out of every day that you can. And, you know, don't let people tell, you know if you want a ghost hunt and people tell you you're not screw them because that's what I want to spend my days. In, and that's how I'm going to do it.
0: Right. I, right.
1: You know, so live your, but no, but uh, so live your life kind of as if every day kind of is your last and get the most enjoyment out of it, but don't do what we're doing so much is have a narcissistic approach where you're kind of impeding on other people's enjoyment of their life. You know what I mean? Uh, by doing dumb things that could kill other people. <laughs> so right, I just kind of yeah, right. enjoy my life as best I can. And, you know, and I raise my kid to think that way too, and try to stay as positive about things as possible, and and roll with whatever situations kind of going on, and don't stress too much about it, right? As best you can. It's easier said than done a lot of the time, but you just got to yeah. do that, and that's what I've done, and based on the experiences that I've had, and that's what I'd rec- recommend to other people. That's how I'm raising my child. You know, just just kind of enjoy your life because you don't know what's going to happen next.
2: Sure. Um, okay, so I have a couple questions, because I am a gear nerd. Can you go okay. through what kind of gear you might take out to uh, to go chasing ghosts?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there, that's one thing. There's a lot of toys. Um, most of them aren't worth what they're put together with. Um, we do use the spirit box, like I talked about, and that's kind of one of the most elaborate kind of tools we've used. Uh, we use a lot of digital recorders. Um, the most the the key tools that you should have is something to record with be pen and paper a digital recorder some app on your phone that you can use Um, we use cameras both still cameras that are motion activated that we set up in rooms and we have various different lenses like ir lenses uv lenses uh we use film cameras that we roll uh with some of them have night vision you know so all the cool stuff you see on tv Mm -hmm. um there's thermal imagers which are neat and and not just because they can show a change in temperature, and that's kind of one of the main things that seem to accommodate whatever this is. Is it is a drop in temperature for whatever reason, and so it's an easy way to see that. If you put it in a certain setting, it's the temperature change is more just like a green mist, and so you can kind of see something's happening. And if people are experiencing stuff, you can kind of say correlate the two together. Um, and it also is a great way to look and see if someone's faking something, because right. people <laughs> forget that you you know that you've got this thermal imager that you can see in the dark with. Um, mm. So we use that. There's other gadgets, like we use REM pods and they're round devices, they're motion detectors. And if something moves, the light will come on and show you where that movement is occurring. And we've had stuff during EVP sessions where we've got them set up and nothing's happening. And then suddenly you start getting responses and it's like something's walking back and forth between the two of them. Like it's like something goes off here and then it will be like there and then it would kind of go back over to here. And we check to make sure it wasn't motion in the floor from traffic, you know what I mean? Like just that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's lots of other stuff, like the laser grid. There's other stuff that's really questionable. Um, There's this SLS camera, and you might have seen them on the TV shows where it'll create patterns out of the air that look like a stick figure. Uh, I haven't seen it, no. No. There's been on a few of these shows, but I mean, it was created for like a Nintendo game thing, motion detector, and it will literally take any kind of pattern in the air and try to make sense out of it right right so i, I don't know like i, I just kind of look at that as like it looks cool especially on television but i don't think there's much validity to what it does um same with the other these ghost boxes which are supposed to be transmitters that you can pick up voices on and some of them though are just so random like i just the best things we use are the digital recorder the cameras and we will use the spirit box although we take do take that with a bit of a grain of salt if we can
2: Sounds very very. But that's fascinating. kind of the best gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <of> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what do you think? Uh, will would convince? Like, I think about this a lot. The people who don't want to know the answer to this, they're they're not going to be convinced by any amount of evidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But also, like, for the, let's go to this UFO question for a second.
2: I've been waiting for so long to talk about UFOs on my podcast.
0: (laughs) I mean, there's the skeptical side of me. is like, why now? right? Why is Mm -hmm. it now that they're willing to put it out? What are they trying to achieve by putting it out now? I mean, I've worked in politics all my life, so it's like, you know, there's times that you put certain kinds of information out in order to get certain responses, and I understand that. But yet there seems to be this the government seems to be buying into this narrative that there's something going on, and and is like literally writing reports on it now. What do you think is stimulating that? What are you, for the for the listeners who don't know what's going on with this? Could you explain what's going on, and then what do you think is happening?
1: Well, this was kind of mad. This is the thing that makes me wonder: is we heard last summer that this report would come out was due by like June 25th, 2021. So. I find it interesting that we had a date so far in advance, right? It's like announcing a movie's coming out. Next summer, the new Marvel movie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I thought that was interesting and it kind of made me a bit skeptical right out the gate. Yeah. But like you say, having dealt with politics too as a journalist, there's always a reason why. I think from what I understand, they were mandated to include this information as part of some other documentation. I think it was even Trump that did it, which I find that fact kind of interesting right. in its own yeah. right. Yeah, Because it's Trump, you know. Um. And it's basically supposed to reveal what the government knows about UFOs and UAPs, which are the new term for UFOs, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Because I think so many people took that UFOs had to be alien, but all it is, is there's something in the sky that people are seeing and we can't explain what it is. That's all it is. And so I think that's kind of, they're they're finally going to come clean with something. We're hearing that it's not going to say that it's aliens. Not going to say that, but they are going to confirm that it's, Technology that's not of origin in the United States and that's definitely in our airspace, which right. does make it a national security risk, whatever it is. Right. But I think that's literally going to be the gist of what comes of this thing. My <laughs> running
2: theory is that, like, I haven't, I haven't written off aliens. I'm not like super sold on aliens, but I would not be surprised to find out that um, superpower countries have technology that has not been made public. And that is a lot of the sightings that people experience is just things that we've actually built that we haven't talked about yet.
1: I agree completely. I think that's a really strong case. And I read a book about Area 51 a few years ago. It was written by an LA Times journalist. So it had a bit of validity to it. And that's what she had gone and looked at. And a lot of this is just there's all those sightings started of started in the 50s and 60s when the Cold War was really taking yeah, off. Yeah. And a lot of the times it was Literally, yeah, spy craft from both countries spying on each other, mm-hmm. flying around. They had technology no one could explain. I think even one of the stories ended up being ba- that Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks was kind of based on one of the, the U.S. aircraft crashed in Russia, and that's that's kind of the whole that it right. is about. So yeah, I I agree with you. I think a lot of it is is a lot of stuff that just other superpowers like China, U.S., USSR, you you know, USA all have, and that's I think what a lot of it is. And I think they're getting to the point. People are seeing so much of this, they have to say something. Right.
2: Yeah, they're having trouble keeping it under wraps. You can't anymore.
1: Like with all the cameras and technology, everything's got a camera in it and scanning technology. Yeah. So I think that's a a lot of it is just super spy craft. Was it from alien origin in Roswell when the big crash no. happened? Maybe. There's, there's
2: argument for that, yeah.
1: There's argument, it's, right? It's
2: interesting, It's interesting though, because I've done a bunch of research into this sort of thing. It's interesting you, that you mentioned Cold War because a lot of these original sightings were around launch facilities during the Cold War. And what they would describe is that these things would come by that they couldn't explain, and all of their new nu- like nuclear missiles would go offline.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that's <laughs> still going would, on.
2: Which would be pretty useful in the event of nuclear war, <laughs> which, le- which again leads me to believe that I actually just think this is technology that we have, that we've kept under wraps because
0: it's If they cer- know we have it, then...
2: Yeah, you want to keep it a secret from other countries or your citizens so that they're not freaked out by it or whatever. But it, it protects... I think it protects not only the technology, but a story of something else that's going on that they also don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. that whether that I, be I, a nuclear threat it. or or you know the like the threat of war whatever it happens to be like that's kind of the way i see it i haven't written aliens off i kind of hope it's true but like
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's but, uh i i am assuming you know the fermi paradox uh that i haven't
1: no that's, okay that's so
0: i'll I'll explain it cuz it's one of my favorite uh little factoids but um so there's this it's it's it was kind of invented in or the idea was kind of invented about 70, 80 years ago. But the question is, okay, so if life is common, there's more planets in our galaxy than there are uh, grains of sand on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many planets out there that if life is common, then we should see basically the the galaxy teeming with life. We should see life everywhere. There should be so much evidence of life because, because the galaxy is so old, life should have evolved you know interplanetary species should have should be common and there's silence hmm like essentially we we see nothing we hear nothing where is everything so there's kind of different ways of explaining this so it's like if life is common where is it this is kind of yeah. the Fermi paradox right okay and so there's kind of four or five different theories that go along with that the first being well we're a zoo right so basically the the rest of The galaxy said, don't let them know we're here. We just want to preserve them as some kind of natural, you know, evolving being. And when we reach a certain level, they'll come and welcome us into the family, right? So that's one. The second is that actually life is incredibly rare and that there's something called the great filter, which essentially, you know, life evolves to whatever, an animalistic state on many planets, but, you know, it never evolves to the point of, of consciousness and if it does evolve to the point of consciousness, it kills itself before it gets off planet. And so essentially, you know, the great filter, and we don't know <laughs> within that paradox which yeah, side of that filter we're we on. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we We don't know. And then I guess the, the, the third option is that there's something incredibly malevolent, like a malevolent uh, race of beings that is hunting everyone. And so everyone is staying as quiet as possible <laughs> in order to avoid... Be, and then here we are on Earth just broadcasting yeah. <laughs> as much as we can. And is question, anyone out there? Hey, We're hello. over here. Come get us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like, I like it for a number of reasons, but I think the most important being it's like, where is everybody? And what does that say about us? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I wonder if it's like. Do you remember like there was that Star Trek bit where we didn't know that other like Vault the Vulcans didn't show up till we achieved space travel and they yes, came down to yeah. so warn us about. Tra- I wonder if there's a bit of that. If there are aliens, you know, if there's a bit of that going on. So that'd be like the second, the first. Yeah, one, yeah, that would be the the, the
0: zoo where the zoo. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> we haven't got really got off planet yet, except once.
0: No. You know, yeah. That we know yeah. Of, right? yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so there, there could be that. I, you know, I. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, I think that's one of the big arguments people have against aliens and space aliens and UFOs being from another galaxy is that, well, where is everybody and why aren't they coming (laughs) to talk to us? Or are we so insignificant they just don't care?
0: Right. But, like, that's the weirdest part is like, there's no evidence. You know what I mean? The sense of like, where are the radio waves? Either that, or we're being lied to, right? That's the question. That's, I think, what a lot of people end up believing. is so like, they're just, they don't think we're ready to tell us that we are receiving signals, that there is communication going on. But if we don't assume that, right? If we don't assume that, let's just, you know, not working off that presupposition, but off this presupposition that, you know, our scientific data is not being messed with. It's like, we don't see civilizations around other stars. We, like, we don't see... We don't, we're not getting any electronic signal on any of our measurements from anything, right? And you would think there'd be chatter. I find that interesting because that means something ipso facto is true, which is as far as we know, we're the only consciousness in the known universe. We might not be, but as far as we know, we are. And what does that say about the, the future of humanity, right? Well, what, is, what should our goal be? I personally believe our goal should be to, to get out there and maybe... It's possible that we are the only, we are the way that the universe is created to know itself, right? Which and would if, be kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> sad but it, also, you know? that we have to get off the planet, right? That we have yeah. to get out there and actually start knowing the universe. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, um, like, what your theory is on. On, do you think, do you think we're it? What's your, what's your read on what's out there? I, I have a hard
1: time thinking that we're it you know what i mean i i, I really do i mean how like really like this is it like we're at like that makes no sense to me i think there's got to be more out there i i look at it more as like uh, maybe life is just rare mm-hmm. rarer than we, right. we think it is and so there's they're out with well, their way out there and maybe they just haven't got here yet or if they are coming here they are looking at us and just going, oh these guys aren't quite ready yet they haven't evolved Mentally enough, or they're not be able to get off planet. So, they're not a risk or a threat to anybody except themselves. So, we'll just wait and see, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, kind of what happens here in the next little bit. I, I kind of look at it more that way because space is vast, it's endless. Yes. There's got to be something somewhere, something Essentially somewhere. It's just infinite. not in our solar system. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I would actually take
2: the counter argument to your argument, David. So, there is, so you, we're not receiving any chatter. Okay, cool. But we are confining whatever we don't under, understand into the planes of what we understand with that argument. So just because we're not receiving some radio frequency from across the galaxy doesn't mean that they're not out there doing something different that we don't understand entirely, you know?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I
2: think by the sheer vastness of what is around us, not just within our own galaxy, but the fact that there are supposedly billions of galaxies around us, like it's gotta be something Yeah. like just by pure, like rational chance, you know,
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's a very I, I love the topic. Have you dug into the pyramids, civilization mm-hmm. seemingly springing up all Ooh, over the world let's at go once? On that. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, that makes sense, you know, which I think is kind of interesting. Um like is it's like down in um Central America, the big carvings in the ground, they they'll make no sense unless you're looking at it yeah. from up above, right? Yeah. So, I it wouldn't surprise me. I like the theory that, you know, we were starting to evolve. Something came and gave us just a little bit of a push now and then. I mean, you even had, like, you know, Egyptians talking about chariots of the gods
0: yes, yes, coming down, right? And those stories seem to be consistent across humanity. There's this idea yeah. that something has come from the heavens to help us. To help
1: us and help give things a push. So I, I, I kind of look at it that way. I wouldn't be surprised if they have come. They're just, they just come at choosing, chosen moments to help us evolve a little bit. And maybe that's where, again, we could talk about the spy plane technology. Maybe that's happened too. They just kept it really under wraps or warded it off as a weather balloon, right? Like, I I think it's kind of, that to me is interesting. Um, And then it ties in like another part that said, if you want to get really, we call it woo in the paranormal field. So if it's weird, but it's almost too weird to be, for the paranormal field, we call it woo.
0: Right, right. Is
1: that uh, John Keel, who of course wrote like, you know, the Mothman prophecies and all that stuff. He talked about these ultra terrestrials that have been around since the dawn of man and they've been interacting with us consistently. They come from maybe another dimension or another reality. Um, and they're kind of responsible for all this stuff we're seeing, which is the UFOs, the monsters, all this stuff. And it's them kind of manipulating and playing with us. The one thing that's interesting and where I kind of give it a little bit of credit is UFO sightings are even recorded in the Bible. Right. right, They've been recorded, like we just mentioned, chariots of the gods. But they have evolved. The sightings of these strange things in the sky have evolved as we've evolved. So they were first chariots. And then they became, in Victorian times, airships. And now they're these stealth bomber-looking craft, right? And they just get more and more elaborate. So maybe hmm. that is truth to that. And they just kind of make themselves perceptible to us in a way that we, that can, we can handle comprehend. it at the time. right.
0: Right. right.
1: But that's a pretty out there theory.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it though. You know, it's, they're fun to talk. about. It's fun to talk. It's about. Fun to talk yeah, about, yeah, yeah.
2: Why not? Um, okay, so uh, you're probably going to hate me for doing this, but I want to run a couple ghost stories past you and see what you see what you have to say about it. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, there's there's two that have happened to me that I want to I want to run by you just to see if you have any ideas about them. So the first one was. Um, In my younger days, I was working at a restaurant and I would work the prep shift. So we, me and one other person would come in at seven in the morning and we would be there by ourselves for hours before anyone else showed up. The restaurant didn't open until noon or whatever. We would just cook food. So I was standing at this like big prep table and the only other person in the building was on my right hand side and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was, I think I was making dough. I worked at a Boston pizza. We were making pizza dough and uh, a spoon hit my left shoulder and fell to the floor, keeping in mind that the only other person in that building was in my line of sight on my right. What Hmm. do you make of that?
1: That's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, that is, and you felt the spoon hit and saw it kind of tingle down like after- It it hit me, and I watched it fall to the ground beside me. And there's no one that could have thrown it. I looked through the whole building. There was no one else yeah. there. I was like, and how "What far was, away was that?" The spoons. How far away were the spoons? How far away could they have been?
2: Uh, in a drawer, like <laughs> not far, but in a drawer.
1: That's pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah
2: I was. It's. I'm. Uh, hey, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> and is, what's, and interesting, I mean, the, what's interesting? What's interesting is that's that
1: that's like the, the toy hammer thing.
2: That's yeah, yeah. You know exactly. I mean? like, and I'm not the only person who's had. Uh, weird stuff happened to them in that building which is why I brought up the idea of like spirits getting stuck or something getting mm-hmm.
1: stuck you know that could I would say the closest I could give to an answer is it's something there definitely wanted your attention
2: hmm. right hmm. right Interesting. For whatever sh- reason, um, sh- and I mean,
1: and you hear these places that have had hauntings or alleged hauntings, where there is stuff like that that goes on. Things get thrown around, glasses come off shelves. You know what I mean? Like, it does happen. There's been lots of reports of that, and I mean, I'd say that was like a legitimate experience. Like that's well, best I don't I have an up. explanation for. It. No, <laughs> What's no, the I don't. One? Nor I do I. The second <laughs> one,
2: <laughs> the second one is put in a drawer. This the second one is equally as weird and happened at a friend of mine's house. Um, he had been complaining about hearing walking in his bedroom and I was over there, uh, for where I think we're in high school. It was like a party or something. And so I went up to his bedroom and he's like, yeah, like I've been hearing like weird stuff's been happening. I've been hearing like walking, but on the walls. And so we went upstairs and we looked at the bedroom cause you know, I've always been interested in this stuff. And while we were in there, it's like, if you can think of like, so I've got a desk in front of me. If you can think of someone knocking on the desk or like knocking on the wall, mm-hmm. it, it was that like halfway up the wall all the way around the room. It circled the entire room. Hmm.
1: It would always happen at night? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that could be house settling sounds right like that could right. be and sometimes if especially if it's pipes or anything in a wall they can reverb and it just sounds a lot more dramatic than mm-hmm. it is right that's one that, that's right. the first thing that kind of pops to my mind or even like you know piping in an attic space but it's like it, where the way it hits and resonates through the wood it can kind of sound bigger like it's more something ominous than a, what it is yeah than what it is that that's kind of what that gets to me if it's always kind of the same sound repeated, you know what I mean? And if Mm -hmm. if he's hearing it in his room, it's probably more or less at night. You know, I'm just speculating, but Mm -hmm. that could easily have been something like that, a house settling noise or something in the wall moving or shifting as the house cools or settles.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting. I am very interested by this sort of stuff. Maybe because I've had weird things happen to me, but. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like
0: you said, people become interested in this because of things that have happened to them. So if you were to like steel man the other side, right? say there is nothing, say everything is purely materialistic and there's there's nothing that we don't understand, which I obviously think is a bit of a ridiculous claim. But if you were to steel man that, right? Yeah. What do you think the argument is for why we see these things? The one that I've heard is, oh, you know, this is just our brains playing tricks on us. You've taken the the approach of saying, I want to disprove every single one of these that I can and the ones that I can't disprove, then I want to study them as evidence. Mm-hmm. Um but what would you say, like, if 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 you had to like counteract yourself, what would be your argument for for saying, well, maybe it's all just in our heads? Like, I think,
1: um, I don't think it's all in our heads, but I think we are people are really good at noticing things, right? Shifts in temperature, stuff out of the shadows out of the corner of your eye, that kind of stuff, feeling just a sense in a space. You know what I mean? That there's something different it's cooler it's warmer maybe something weird happened here i think we really suck at interpreting it
0: right, right. So sure, think, yeah.
1: right so i think and then what happens is you go into you've heard stories about a place right so anything that happens is so your prime is going to start thinking it's yeah i've been to crime scenes where people have died and you can just you you feel something but is it me just picking up that someone died there you know what i mean
0: right or, or just knowing that someone died there and then feel having a feeling because of that
1: yeah, yeah. And then if someone's told you, well, this house is haunted, and then you right. go and you start hearing foot, what you think are footsteps, your brain is just going to fill in that gap, right? Yeah. And I think whenever we do an investigation, even when we're in an investigation, everything that happens, we pick it apart. Yeah. Every single bit. Because I know there's been investigators that go in, and it's like, oh, we're in a haunted place. Something weird happened. It's paranormal. And then everything that happens for the rest of the night's paranormal, whereas you got to right. look at that first thing and go, eh, maybe it's the house settling, maybe... Maybe I'm near a wireless Wi-Fi transmitter, and that stuff can play a little bit with your mind. You know what I mean? Like too much electromagnetic EMF. So I think what I would say on the other flip side is I think what happens is things happen that are natural that we suddenly interpret a certain way because we're primed to think that something could be more than it is. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Sure.
2: I think there's an element to the argument too. Um, The idea of energy. I don't like. Maybe it's not. specific beings that get left behind, but the idea that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So Mm. if a body dies and energy leaves that body because there's no longer energy in it, where does that energy go? You know, which is the age old question. Like what happens when you die? Right. That's just another way of coming at it. But I think like, I don't know what to think about like this whole energy thing, but like when you walk into a room and there's an argument If you're paying attention, you don't have to hear the argument to know that there's something going on in the room. The room feels thick, like there's something there. So there is energy traveling in between us and there's energy that is in us that we don't fully understand yet. So what happens when we cease to exist and that energy remains, you know?
1: that's a big thing that we we look at in in this field as well right like it's just that it's not maybe so much a spirit but it's just that energy like you know the residential school thing all that negativity has to create a very negative energy and it just stays Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like, you know, those old mixed tapes from the 70s and the 80s where you could record on it, your music, and then you could re-record on top of it. But sometimes you'd hear the old song and the gaps in between. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's something kind of like that. That's how I like to explain it, right? Like that. that's just that old recording, just on, imprinting on the modern time. Maybe, you know what I mean? I, I think mm-hmm. in terms of scientific explanations for the paranormal, that's probably a good one, like at least for ghosts, right? right? Like that could just, exactly, the energy went somewhere and it's just playing in the Earth's electromagnetic field and we pick up on it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the the thing that I like to say to people who kind of poo poo these things, or you know, who say, "Oh, that's not that doesn't make any sense." Is I'm like, how much audacity do you have to have to think you've got everything figured out? Mm-hmm. We we know that our ability to perceive everything, including the color spectrum, the sound, to hear, we 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 are interacting with fi- in, a, in an essentially infinite universe with finite tools, which are our senses. And I think this goes back to what Zach was saying and what you were saying, but it's scary to realize how small we are, but it's also freeing to know we can't be right. We can only be less wrong.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I have a hard time with people who think they've figured everything out. We rely too much on science that way. Science is as bad as any other organized anything, right? There's their sort of cliques and there's a mindset and then they just, you know, and same with because it's a field where there's been hoaxes, well, we don't want to get involved with that because then we could be ridiculed and then we aren't taken seriously as science. I think that, so they just stay away from certain things just on the principle, like, you know, people who are too educated do. You know what I mean? They
0: don't well, want I mean, their little world if you to get think rocked. About it, like, like uh, the scientists and the the authorities that were at one point, like condemned the idea of the Earth going around the sun because yeah. it was that it was it was it didn't fit into their paradigm of reality and their I think narrative, their narrative, and I think we're that's what we're we're gonna come to realize as the hopefully as the centuries come and go that 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 just is not the appropriate way to approach the world, yeah, I have a
2: theory about science and religion and paranormal activity and everything that we do understand and don't understand, I think everything that we don't understand is provable by science, like religious experience, like paranormal experience, all of those sorts of things that like we as humanity kind of accept as being around because so many people speak of them, but we don't, we can't like put a finger onto like exactly how they happen. I just think science hasn't gone far enough to be able to figure it out, but I bet you however many years down the road it has to be, it's actually all provable. It's just that we haven't figured out how to do
1: it yet. I agree. I think it's, um, I think it's all, actually, we call it supernatural or paranormal, but I think it's all very much a natural, normal part of the human experience, but it's always just been something out, just outside of it. And I, I think back, there's a there's a, a writer named Colin Wilson who wrote a book called The Occult, and he called it Faculty X. And he said, we were way more in tune with whatever it was before we became civilized and built cities and lights. And we were just out wandering the prairies and had to survive on our own. I think we were way more in tune with all of it, but as we've become more advanced and have this technology and create all this noise around us and consumerism and all this other junk that we just don't pay as much attention anymore because it's just we're we're so distracted by everything else and I I think
0: yeah exactly I don't understand how anyone could look at a tree and not believe in magic.
1: Yeah. yeah, or or how do we go from being a single-celled organism to like a Beethoven concerto? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Without
1: some kind of nudge somewhere yeah, along the line. Something, something. Right. Exactly. It's it speaks of something that we haven't
2: figured out yet, doesn't it? Yeah. When you look at the sheer insanity of our existence, the
0: impossibility of ex- of life itself. Yeah. The number of things that had to go right for us to exist. This is yeah. It's absurd. Startling. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> absurd. That we even made it. Right? It's a miracle. It by chance.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, that was really, really fun, Jason. Thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to join us. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners? You want to let them know where to find you online so that they can read your stuff or watch your videos?
1: Yeah, no, that would be great. Thank you. Um, I kind of manage a a YouTube channel called the Paranormal Network. Uh, It's the one with the black logo and the white PN writing on it where we've got a lot of content like this, um, including some of the investigations I've done through the We Want to Believe banner. Uh, So that'd be great. Please go check it out. And you can find it on Facebook, you know, at Paranormal Headquarters, and then the Paranormal Network will come up that way. So that'd that'd be great. Uh, And then the book... That I wrote, Peter and I wrote. I want to believe one man's journey into the paranormal is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I encourage everyone to get your book and to watch your YouTube channel. And I encourage people to have an open mind. Stop thinking that you're right on everything, and maybe you'll you'll find a passion that you could spend your life pursuing, like Jason did.
1: Well, thank you so much, guys. It's been awesome. We've really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at TheCadStory. That's The C-A-D Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.